0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football Live, the same stick to football you used to just now uh, live in the Bleacher Report app. Matt Miller, Mello, and Connor Rogers getting you updated on everything NFL draft related. We have a fun show for you guys today. We actually made up our own Over and unders for some of the most polarizing players in this year's draft class. Oh, and also we're going to give you our dream, albeit a little bit realistic, landing spots for some of our favorite players in this year's class as well. But fellas, uh, off the top, congratulations to us for getting a show in the Bleach Report app. But also congrats to Connor's twin brother, Christian McCaffrey. Four years, 16 million per year, buddy. We're proud of, uh, proud of your genetic big brother.
1: Yeah, do we get to split any of that money? That's what I'm wondering right now. But in all seriousness, this is something we talk about running back contracts on this show all the time. I actually like that they were aggressive to get this one out in front, guys. I mean, the guy is twenty-three years old. The deal will pay him till he can you know, it's ending his prime for a running back twenty-seven-28. This is really exciting news for the Panthers and McCaffrey.
2: Yeah, hey Connor, I get to split half of my contract, it seems like, with my ex-wife. So I think you could work <laughs> something out there uh, to get a little kickback for you. But I do like what the Panthers are doing. They probably have the best running back in the NFL right now. He's a do-it-all guy. And at the end of this four years, if he can't run the ball anymore, I bet he can still catch the ball. Just put him a slot receiver.
0: That's why I saw people on Twitter say the the NFL's highest-paid slot receiver now Chris McCaffrey, 16 million a year. We'll see if he beats the odds as the a second contract running back. We haven't seen a lot of success. Todd Gurley, uh, Zeke Elliott, uh, even our guy Alvin Kamara. We'll see what happens with these guys. But we are going to play a little game for people who are newer to football. We like to do this. Like to play some games, have some fun. So today we're starting that with our polarizing prospect over-unders. Now, these are our betting odds. We didn't take these from Las Vegas. We made these up on our own, but hopefully it'll be entertaining, but also give you an idea of where we feel these players' range is. When you talk to agents and scouts around the league, that's one thing everyone always wants to know, guys. What's the range? Where's this guy's range? We're going to give that to you today, and Connor, since, since your brother just got his contract, we'll let you lead us off here.
1: Yeah, it's my lucky day here. I'm going to start with the most obvious one of the draft, but we need to talk about it, guys. That is Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama, and I am setting this over under at four and a half. And if you're sitting there you're wondering, well, we know the Bengals are taking Joe Burrow. We know Washington is taking Chase Young. Why would the Lions or Giants get involved in this? Well, the answer really here is that somebody would have to trade up if you're taking the under of four and a half. And guys, as these days go by, it's starting to feel like this one is going to be the over. You have Miami there at five. You have the Chargers there at six. I don't think he gets past the Chargers, but the question is, do they have a fear of Miami taking him where they have to go ahead? I'm still going to sit and say, take the over on four and a half for Tua. Number two, this is Jalen Hurts. Now this might be the biggest overall riser from the 2019 season into the draft. Jalen Hurts was a guy that eight months ago, we were wondering if he was going to be playing running back. Now, we wonder if he's going to be the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board in this class. I'm setting the over-under here at 50 and a half. So when you look at it, will the Bears, will the Steelers in the top 50, will they pass on this guy? I'm going to go under here, which is shocking for a lot of people when you talk about the rise of Jalen Hurts, but just what he did in that Lincoln-Riley system this year, obviously when you're throwing a top 15 pick, C.D. Lamb, uh, that helps you out a little bit as well. But he's improved his mechanics, it's something we've talked about on the show a lot, teams are hungry for these mobile passers, so for Jalen Hurts Going in the top 50 of this draft is incredible, and I think it's going to happen here, guys. All right, let's go on to my final one, number three, at the running back position. Clyde Edwards Elaire, set at over under pick 39 and a half, and you're probably sitting there going, well, that feels extremely random. It's not. You have the Miami Dolphins at 39, you have the Houston Texans at 40. Both of those teams need a running back, so I set the bridge in between them. But the question with Clyde Edwards Elaire, will DeAndre Swift go ahead of him? I think so. What about? About Jonathan Taylor? I think so as well. It feels like him and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers are battling to be the third running back off the board. We know Miami needs a running back. We know a lot of teams in the top 40 need a running back, but will he make it past that 40th pick? I'm going to go with the over here, guys. I think we see running backs fall each and every year. I think for Clyde the Glide, he's a phenomenal player, a day one ready starter, but just the value of running back and not being the top guy in this class might see a little bit of of a slide more so than we expected. What are you guys thinking with these?
0: Connor, are you taking money on these bets? Is there, are these real lines? Because I'm Venmoing you. Like, I'm grabbing my phone right now on these. So I'm going to say over on Tua, over four and a half, under 50 and a half on Jalen Hurts. And I would be smashing that under on Clyde the Glide Edwards the Lair so hard right now. 39 and a half, I think, under. I, I truly believe, especially, I know we can't do this during the draft, but if DeAndre Swift comes off at, let's say he goes 16 to Atlanta, which would be a surprise, but it could happen, uh, or, or 18 somewhere 18, 18 in there then I think we even see another chance for a to go first round. So under 39 and a half for me, I'm oh my God, Clyde the glide.
2: And I agreed with everything you said right up until that last thing. I do think that Tua we're probably going to see the over. I don't think the dolphins are moving. I think if they wanted to, they would already do it and they'd have a trade in place. We're not seeing it. I think they stay at five. I don't think the chargers are going to come up. I might be surprised if they even take a quarterback. So I'm going to take the over on that one with Jalen hurts. Taking that under. I, I do think that he will be gone by 50. The Colts at 34 right? feel There's like a, lot a good options, spot Like him. you said, Connor, with the Steelers. Or somebody just moving up. I, I, you always move up to take a quarterback. You never just let one fall to you. I think the Broncos got lucky last year by letting Drew Locke do that. Not many teams will. But this last one, Matt... I just can't see, I can't see Clyde Edwards going. You just don't want to accept high. that
0: he's going to be a Kansas City Chief when this is all said. And no, done. I
2: think he'd be a good fit there, and I don't want to seem like I hate all these LSU guys. I do have a lot of questions about them, but I don't think we see a running back in round one, which is going to bump all of them down. So even if he's your number two running back, I don't know that he's going to go there. I, I think a lot of teams are going to have J.K. Dobbins, or they're going to have Jonathan Taylor ahead of Clyde edwards away. Well, I am
0: excited to see what happens. We are ten days away, Melo. How about your over unders? Uh, and then I'm going
2: to trash them like you did in my love
0: affair with Clyde. The I Guy. went a
2: little different. You guys had the prospects specifically. I went with positions. How many position groups uh, do we think will be drafted in the first round? With linebackers, I'm setting the over under at three and a half. I think we know there are three linebackers in this draft that are going to be very good, but are we going to see a fourth one sneak in there in the first round? Been a lot of talk about Zach Bond. Been a lot of talk about Jordan Brooks. Can they sneak into the first round? I'm going to take the under on this one. I don't think we see a fourth linebacker sneak into the first round. I think we're going to see those three guys, uh, and then maybe in the second round we see some of You're counting those. Isaiah Simmons as is a linebacker. He's, yeah, I'm counting him as a yep. linebacker. He's a hybrid, but I'll count him as a linebacker for the draft. And then my next one, receivers in the first round. There are a lot of talented receivers in this draft. A lot of them are going to go very early. I'm setting the over-under at five and a half for these receivers. I think there's a lot of them when you look at Jerry Judy's gonna go in the first. He's gonna go very high in the first. Rugs with that 40 time. I don't see him slipping past two. CeeDee Lamb might be gone by pick number eleven to Connors Jets. Then we're gonna get Justin Jefferson in there. I think he's a first round lock. But then we have T. Higgins, we have Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if we see any more of these receivers, maybe even a Michael Pittman slide into the first round. Denzel Mims, I'm a little bit higher on him, but I don't know if we'll see any more receivers slide into that first round. Over, under, at five and a half. And then my last one here. With the corners, I think there are a lot of really good corners in this class, especially Jeff Akuta, who's probably going to be off the board in the top five. I think that C.J. C. Henderson going to be off the board in the top ten. When you look at Akuda, he's just too good. He's going to go early. That's going to drive up the cost for all of these corners in this class. So I'm setting the over-under here with the corners at four and a half. And I'll tell you guys, on these receivers – I'm going to take the under. I don't think we see that many receivers drafted in this class. I think we probably see five in the first round, which is a lot. It is a lot. But it's not the, I mean, a couple months ago, we were talking about maybe eight going the first round, and that's just not the case anymore. And with the corners, I'm going to take the over. I think we see a lot of corners, maybe even up to six corners taken in the first round. Connor, what do you think of those over underlines?
1: I actually love all of them, to be honest with you. And the toughest one for me out of the bunch is your first one, Melo, the linebackers, even including Isaiah Simmons. I'm with you that I'm going to go with the under because it looks like it's going to be Simmons, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen. Those feel like the locks. I'm curious how teams value a guy like Zach Bond that could do a lot of different things. We've heard buzz about Jordan Brooks. I don't think those guys go into the first round because of position, so I'll go under three and a half with you. Receivers, I'm doing the same thing, under five and a half. I think it's a great class. That's actually the reason it's going to be the over. Everyone's staring each other down, looking at this and saying, We'll wait till day two. We can move around day two. We might even like some yep. of the guys that are available in round number three. So wide receivers, I think the first round, we know the same guys over and over again. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson. After that, it's a bit of a wild card right now. And T. Higgins did not do himself a lot of favors throughout this draft process. And then the last one with the corners, I- I'm with you once again. I'm going to go with the over. We know Akuda and C.J. Henderson, uh, they've solidified themselves in the top 15. But you got to wonder about A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson, Chris. Christian Fulton, this is a really deep corner group, and the most important reason it's the overmark of four and a half is because the need is insane for all of these NFL teams.
0: Yeah, and I'll add in, Melo, I think for all three of these positions, we can see trades at the end of round one that have a gigantic effect on how many of these players go. Uh, to your point, linebackers, if the Packers take a receiver at 30, well, that helps your over underlying on the receivers, but it hurts your linebackers. And, and the same with, you know, if the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers trade out at 31 and 32, that can affect your corner uh, number as well. Right. So a lot of good players. I think receivers, you said this well. Two months ago, people were talking about, there's going to be seven or eight receivers drafted in the first round. We've come back to earth on that number a little bit. It's still a great receiver class, but I think what we're seeing instead is there's not going to be that rush to get the guys. It's, hey, we can get a good receiver in round two or three. We don't feel like we have to reach for one in the top 10 pick, or not even reach, use the assets of a top 10 pick on a receiver because uh, we'll just wait. Connor's Jets, they pick at 11. A lot of talk about maybe they just wait until the top of the second round to get one of those marquee wide receivers. So I think that if I had to pick, I would go, like I would honestly go under on all three of these. Linebackers at three and a half, receivers at five and a half, and corners at five and a half. That's probably the trickiest one. But now We're going to see four quarterbacks and five or six offensive tackles drafted in the first round. And I'll go back here with, with my over-unders. I went back to... Uh, players instead of positions, but a nice little change up here. Now, I'm going to start the conversation off with Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver from Alabama, Mr. 429 himself, one of the fastest players that we've ever seen perform at the a, NFL a, Scouting Combine. A combines. real 429, real. not yeah. a virtual yes. Combine pro right. day, a real Laser timed with yeah, with the Charlie Casterly in the stands you know, doing the thing. Yeah, real laser time. Uh, Henry Ruggs, a complete wide receiver. Please stop calling this guy just a sprinter, just a fast receiver. By God, is he fast? Yes, but he's also an exception Route runner. I put the over-under at 13 and a half. 13 big, significant because that's where my San Francisco 49ers select in the first round. So I really do think that this is the mark where rugs do do we see him go under or over this spot? I'm gonna take the under on this. I think there's a good chance he is that first receiver off the board. If not, I think the Niners would snag him at 13. Now, how about this one, fellas? We talked about running backs earlier. DeAndre Swift from Georgia, the top back in this class, according to the three of us. I set the over under at 32 and a half. So basically, do we see a running back selected in the first round? I am gonna take the under, even though as we sit here and look at the draft board and I try to figure out Where's that first running back going to come off the board? It could be 18 or 26 to the Miami Dolphins. After that, we're kind of guessing. Like We're looking at these running back spots and saying, man, who else would do it? There aren't many teams... Unless you believe Baltimore or Tennessee would take a running back or the Kansas City Chiefs at 32, which again significant 32 and a half here, I am going to take the under on uh, DeAndre Swift who exceptional three-down skills reminds me so much of Alvin Kamara with what he does out of the backfield as well as the speed and the burst around the corner we get from him. And then here is maybe the most polarizing player in the entire draft class, that's Utah State quarterback Jordan Love, 32 touchdowns to six interceptions in 2018 whole staff leaves, loses his offensive line, his tight end, his running back, his two receivers, 17 picks in 2019. Guys, I'm setting the over/under for Jordan Love at 15 and a half, which 15 is the Denver Broncos. They're not going to draft anyone, but there has been a lot of conversation about teams moving up to get Jordan Love, which is why I put him here at 15 and a half. I mean, the guy wore 5 with the Senior Bowl with a headband. He's trying so hard to be Pat Mahomes. But that led to those 17 picks this year. For Utah. Melo
2: was smirking watching this. 17 and a, 17 picks this year. I, I think a lot of people do want to be Pat Mahomes, and he's got a lot of arm talent here. I'll start with Jordan Love. Over under at 15 and a half. I'm gonna take the under. I just, or sorry, the over. I don't know that we're gonna see a lot of teams wanting to move up for a quarterback. It makes me a little leery. No one's done it yet. No one has moved up to put themselves in a position to take a quarterback. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the over on that one. I do think that we'll see Jordan Love maybe go at the end of the first round. Maybe a team like the Saints. I don't think the Patriots are in the market for a quarterback. They have a damn good one. With running back, I do think we'll see one go in the first round. I think DeAndre Swift, probably the first running back off the board. Somebody will panic or the Dolphins will use him with one of their three picks in the first round. Take a running back. It's there. And Henry Ruggs, I can't see him getting past the Las Vegas Raiders. I just think that's too good of a fit there. Um, You have the the Jets at 11, the Raiders at 12, the Niners at 13. One of those three teams, I think, gets Henry Ruggs.
1: Yeah, and I'll kick it off right there. I mean, I am smashing the under on the Henry Ruggs 13-and-a-half. I mean, you got the 49ers, you got the Raiders. I think the Broncos might be sniffing around for a trade-up in this scenario. Listen, 427 speed, guys, does not just grow on trees every single day. When you look at what Ruggs can do, uh, he is absolutely phenomenal and will be a top what looks like 13 pick in this draft. Number two, DeAndre Swift. Guys, for a long time, I didn't think a running back goes in the first round of this draft. But if one is going to, it will be DeAndre Swift. And maybe while Twitter and maybe this show doesn't value the running back position as first-round players anymore, I think the NFL does, making Swift the guy. So I will go under at 32.5, which just means he'll make it into the first round. For the last one with Jordan Love, I'm going over 15.5. The Jordan Love hype died, and it's not like he really did anything. It's more or less that teams found their quarterback replacements throughout free agency, throughout trades. The market for a quarterback like Jordan Love just isn't there in the top 10 to 15 picks anymore. So when you look at it for him, yeah, we know Herbert, Tua, Burrow, those guys are going to go in the top 10 picks. But when you look at Love, he's going to wait a little longer and teams at the back end of first round will look to develop him, not draft and start him.
0: Jordan Love is definitely one of the most polarizing guys. If he went five overall to Miami, we'd be a little surprised. But yeah, kind of see that coming. If he went 24th to the Saints, yeah, okay. Could kind of see that coming as well.
2: I think he's going to be QB3 on a lot of boards. If uh, not, Some too. people will have him over Tua, some people will have him over Herbert. Could even be QB2 on a lot of boards. Yeah, it just depends on, we always say, uh, players like ice cream,
0: what flavor do you want? And Jordan love uh polarizing big arm, a a strong big arm arm flavor. flavor, strong flavor for sure. Let's play Dream landing spots, my gentlemen. We each pick three. Miller, you don't have to give us the Bible on these players, but your three players and why
2: you think that they are a fit in this situation. And I have to start with my favorite player in this entire draft class. I've been talking about Isaiah Simmons, not you, for a very long time now, and I love his fit, and I hope to see him with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know that he probably won't be available at number nine overall, but to see his speed and athleticism in this defense, you bring in a guy like Joe Schobert to play middle linebacker, you have Jack as your other linebacker go ahead and slide Isaiah Simmons in there and let him do what he does best absolutely everything don't stick him in a role and say hey go be our Mike linebacker let this guy roam the field put him at slot corner help put him at strong safety you have a need there too. put him as your third linebacker don't take him off the field just let the man play number two spot for me I'm going to stay with the linebackers because I like these guys Kenneth Murray to the Ravens is a pick that I'm going to be making in a lot of my mock drafts. They need a middle linebacker. They you like a player to... from Oklahoma? I got to. Th- okay, so it's happened three <laughs> times okay, okay. in my life. Adrian Peterson couldn't wait for him to graduate. Was scared of him. And then these two guys this year, C.D. Lamb and yep. Kenneth Murray. I really like both of them, and I think that with Murray, he's a great fit for what the Ravens need, and he's going to be that ass kicker at middle linebacker who comes in. He's a vocal leader. He's also a tackling machine. I think that he can be very good and immediate starter for that team. And then my last guy, Yedore Grossmottos, is another guy with the Vikings. I forgot to say him on one of our podcasts. It still fits. I like what he can do opposite uh, at the end, getting after the quarterback. you got some pretty good quarterbacks up there, and you got Mitchell Trubisky, too. I think you still have to get after the quarterback. Wow. And if you so want to shade. win the NFC, you have to be able to get after guys like Drew Brees and Carson Wentz. Minnesota, they keep finding ways to win in the playoffs in advance. You have to be able to beat Drew Brees though to get there. Who gets to wear 99, Daniel Hunter or Grossman? I think I I think uh, you know we're the answer to that Hunter one. In 99. <laughs> right. I know this
0: is a Tom Brady, Chris Godwin situation. Uh I actually love Gross Mottos as well. That's one of my favorite fits in this draft. Kenneth Murray to Baltimore. It, some guys you watch them and you're like, this man was born to play this for this team, and that is Kenneth Murray to the Ravens. It was like Nicole Hardman last year. Like we knew where he was gonna end up, even before he ended up there. Now, Connor, I know that you put your Jets on this list. You have to do it. Who are your three dream landing spots for this year's draft?
1: Of course I did, guys. This is the Stick to Football live debut. <laughs> the crappy Jets are definitely sneaking in on the action here. And, Melo, I love the all-defensive dream You're landing just going- spots. I, I thought you nailed them. All right, number one here. I'm going to stick with the defense, and I'm not going to go with the Jets. I'm going to go with the New York Giants, and that is Antoine Winfield Jr. When you look at this Giants defense, they just lack an identity right now. And you have to wonder, since Landon Collins left, who is the guy? Who's the playmaker? Who's getting the ball Jamboreal back in Peppers. the hands? Yeah, that's not it. So when you look at Winfield Jr., I, I mean, phenomenal hands. He could hit, yeah, no, no joke. The guy can absolutely light people up. I love his game, guys. He can cover in the slot. He can play. 2-D, uh, he could play single high. He can really do anything you need him to do, but his best work comes down in the box. And most importantly, in the second round, this would upgrade the Giants' defense right away. Number two, yeah, it's time for the New York Jets. And let's get Sam Darnold's old friend back. It's Michael Pittman Jr. And you're going to recognize these names this year. Winfield... Pittman, it's time for the next era. This guy is a go-up-and-get-the-football kind of player. The Jets have nobody like that right now. And and for Pittman, yes, there's a relationship already there with Sam Darnold. Obviously, when uh, Darnold, the year he was drafted, Pittman was a sophomore receiver and a productive one at that. So the chemistry is there. But this guy's a good athlete. He's tough. He has some of the best hands in the entire draft. And I don't know if you heard, guys, the New York Jets wide receiver core, the only name you might recognize at this point is Jamison Crowder, unless you're really relying on Brashad Perriman to be the guy. So in the second round, again, now the Jets get help. Now I'm going to go to the third round here, and let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Brandon Bean has done a phenomenal job building this football team and, most importantly, attacking value in the draft. And one of the ways he did that recently is by getting Motor Singletary for their backfield last year to pair with Frank Gore. No more Frank Gore. Now you need another guy. Let's get Zach Moss from Utah, the power back, the guy that makes people miss, the guy that runs through people. So for the Bills here, you went out and traded for Stephon Diggs. You have a really good wide receiver trio. You have somebody you really like in Devin Singletary in the backfield, but he's a 1B kind of guy. Now get his 1A in Zach Moss. This Bills team with Tom Brady gone, it pains me to say it. They're ready to take over the AFC East, and they might have an exciting offense to watch.
0: I would absolutely love Zach Moss behind that Buffalo offensive line because they're just maulers and they need someone like him who is a little bit of a, a throwback road grader. And I was waiting for you to pick a third guy whose dad played in the NFL. You know, like you got I, Antoine I Winfield, Michael Pittman.
2: <laughs> There's got to be someone. And if there were a fourth New York team, apparently you would have went right. with him because you go Giants, Jets, Bills. I like your fit though. Antoine Winfield, I just want to remind everyone who's watching or listening this guy didn't win the Thorpe Award last year. I don't know how the hell that happens, but he didn't. But he is a do-it-all safety, and if it weren't for injuries and if he were a little bit bigger, I think he'd be a lot for a top 15 pick. Even at safety, I, I love the fit there. Giants need somebody that's kind of their identity on defense, and Michael Pittman is the perfect fit for Sam Darnold and the Jets. They should definitely target him in the second round, and Sam Darnold should target him often. He needs a big receiver that can go up and make plays, and that's exactly what Michael Pittman is. And then, of course, Zach Moss. Bring in that little bit of thunder with your lightning that you already have at running back. It just fits. All right, here is the the ultimate list. Now, they save the best for last, fellas. Uh, the fourth New York
0: team. Well, that's the Philadelphia Eagles, actually. They're basically a New York team. And I'm going with Justin Jefferson here. i got to make my man Adam Lefko happy. Give you a silky, smooth, wide receiver who does not drop the ball. Sorry, Nelson Aguilar. He could play in the slot. He could play out wide. We saw the production that my man had when Joe Brady decided to actually throw the football at LSU, something they haven't done since Jamarcus freaking Russell was there. There. But Jefferson might be a smaller guy, but four four three speed. And he was actually very, very good in the red zone. Something that you don't see a lot with smaller wide receivers. I think in a normal draft class, Justin Jefferson would be the top wide receiver. It just so happens this is a historic season, so he's a little bit lower on the board. But I absolutely love his style of play. Give Carson Wentz a reliable threat. No shade to my guy Alshon. A reliable threat who can make things happen after the catch. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, we're Dan Quinn coach. Before college, Florida, Florida. <laughs> Florida. There we go. So he goes back, Florida, Florida, back to Florida, to Florida. Gainesville to get CJ Henderson, six foot one, four three speed. He's feisty and covers down the field. Don't care that he doesn't tackle. Deion Sanders didn't either when he played for the Falcons. He turned out okay. CJ Henderson, I absolutely love his game. He's a top 15 player for me. What he does down the field, think I would got a good tackle. tackling so people on Twitter <laughs> can get off me. Yeah, look, that was too. He can tackle. See, I don't know where this talk's coming from. It's what he does down the field though. I actually think he got bored in coverage at times this year, which is why we saw him get beat a little bit. He likes to bait quarterbacks into mistakes with his speed. I think he's going to be a very, very good player at the next level and fills a gigantic need for the Atlanta Falcons now that Desmond Trufant is a member of the Detroit Lions. And unfortunately, I loved Trufant, just a guy who got a little bit too old. So C.J. Henderson, if he's there at 16, make the pick, Thomas Dimitrov. And for my last one, wide receiver one in this class for me, Jerry Judy from Alabama, he went wire-to-wire as the top wide receiver in this class. And I'm going to give him, sorry, Mello to the Denver Broncos because that offense is fixing to be electric, as we like to say here in Missouri. you got Melvin Gordon in the backfield. You drafted Noah Fant and Dalton Reisner last year to go with rookie quarterback Drew Locke. Oh, and you have Cortland Sutton, one of the best young receivers in football. Now, what I love about this is Judy doesn't have to be your number one. He can play some in the slot where he's going to get free releases. He's going to get... Less attention from safeties because this is a well-rounded offense. You see what he does tracking the ball down the field. He was excellent in the red zone at 6'1", 193 pounds. Tracks the ball well. It's not He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. You're not going to see it when you look at the stat sheet all the time. But what he
2: does is a route runner, explosive, footwork and balance. Absolutely love Jerry Judy. Yeah, I really like those fits. And going back to Justin Jefferson, like you said, if this is a normal draft class, he's the top receiver in it. Uh, I think going back to last year, he would have been the number one far and away receiver in that class. But this, this one's loaded. With so much talent, even going back to guys like T. Higgins, I think in a normal year we would see them rise up. So the Eagles, obviously they have to get somebody that can catch the ball because Nelson Aguilar struggled last year. And then Deshaun Jackson, is he going to stay healthy? I don't know. He's getting old. Alshon, can he separate? Probably not. You need a receiver. I think you can maybe wait till round two. But if Justin Jefferson is there, I think you have to take him. If he's uh, drafted before the Eagles, maybe wait. But if Justin Jefferson is there for the Eagles, they should definitely take him.
1: And I think when you look at I the know. other two, I mean, the Justin Jefferson one is a no-brainer. But C.J. Henderson to the Falcons, that team needs a corner. They put a lot of money and resources into that front seven, guys. You added Dante Fowler. You obviously got Grady Jarrett there. So I, I thought you actually hit it out of the park. We, we give you a lot of crap, Matt, about you, uh, you know, being the best at these things, but you had a good list.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to use sources, so whoever had that prop been on Twitter, you lost. There's am happy about that. <laughs> right. That, that, I don't know if that <laughs> one counts. Anyone who can rock a bolo tie and force your way out of San Diego and L.A. as a Hall of Famer in my book. I know he's one of Melo's favorite quarterbacks all the time. It would be fun to see what old Papa Phil and his uh, ducklings do in Indianapolis. That, that new Colts logo, actually, I like it. I don't know if you guys saw it today. It's been one of the few like logo uniform releases that I actually kind of like. And I, I did hear today the Chargers are doing theirs uh, Wednesday. I think. I think the Browns have one yeah. coming out this week, too. Yeah, everyone's doing it. Except for us. We like our logo. We're sticking with it. We just have a show now in addition to a podcast. All right. When we close out every edition of Stick to Football, we do fan questions. It's called Draft on Draft. We have three awesome questions that were submitted through Twitter. If you want to do that, just hashtag Draft on Draft. First one up from Tyler Fornes. Why do Florida defensive backs bust in the NFL at such a high rate? Tyler, my belief is because they don't have to – they haven't learned technique a lot in college. They're just athletes. Florida's recruiting these track stars – Vernet Hargraves, you know, guys like that, and they just throw them out there. As true freshmen, they play, and they don't develop or did not develop. I think the new coaching staff can going to be better at that. But that's a huge complaint of mine with, you know, I've missed on some Florida corners over the years,
2: and it's because guys like that, they're just not developed. Well, everybody's missed on the Florida corners. And I think they just kind of get a reputation there for a while of, oh, we're a member of the DBU conversation. You know. So a lot of it was, you know, people scouting the helmet and seeing a big athlete like Tease Tabor out there at corner and saying, oh, Big corner, athletic, from Florida, he's going to be good. We used to do it with Alabama corners for a long time. Yeah, that's right. And then they were busting, so I, I think it's just Florida doing their their time. They're going to bust a little bit, and I think we're maybe getting out of it with C.J. Henderson. a Marlon I think, Humphrey. I think C.J. Henderson's going to be that guy. I think he's a safe pick at corner.
1: Yeah, when you look at the problems across the board, guys, it feels like they've all been a little different. Tease Tabor couldn't run. If you're And take note of this. If you're a corner right. running in the four sixes, you're probably not going to pan out. Just not a lot of guys do. It's as simple as that. He couldn't run... Quincy Wilson, while he was a 4-5-4 guy, Matt already said it. The technique was a problem, and it's not great speed. His play speed wasn't great, but the technique was an issue. And then when you look at Vernon Hargraves, size was an issue. I think injuries and penalties. So I like that you brought up C.J. Henderson, Melo. When you evaluate him, because, you know, obviously you need to evaluate the player, not the helmet here. Henderson, he can run. He was in the four threes, Pretty, pretty good. The film was good. I think the technique is much more advanced than these guys. I think his instincts are lacking just a little bit, but there's a reason he's a first-rounder, while the other guys, not Hargraves, but, you know, Wilson and Tease, those guys were day-two players the whole time. And his ball skills, uh,
2: at finding the football and making a play on the ball, I think are probably the best, even ahead of Jeff Okuda. Yeah, and and definitely has the speed that teams look for. Richie Bradshaw wants to know, we've heard for a
0: while that teams view Brandon Ayuk as a better prospect than Nikhil Harry. Uh, last year, what separates the two? And for me, Melo, I think Nikhil Hager was your number one receiver last year. I want to say he was number two or number three for me. Uh, The difference for me is separation. And when you evaluate wide receivers, a lot of times you say, okay, you can separate three ways, speed, routes, or size. I really thought Nikhil Harry would be able to separate with size and routes. We didn't see him do that in a rookie season that was mostly lost to injury. With Brandon Ayuk,
2: immediate ability to separate with speed and quickness off the line. Yeah, those explosive plays. You can see it when he runs, talking about Ayuk. I think that is what separates them. I still think Nikhil Harry is a better prospect. I think that New England system is very hard to learn. Remember, we saw a guy in Ocho Cinco go to New England and everybody thought he was going to be a pro bowler. He could figure out the playbook. So I think we need to maybe pump the brakes on Nikhil Harry. Or maybe I'm just a little bit biased because he was my number one receiver. But I think that he can come around and have a good year again. I still have Nikhil Harry ahead of Brandon Ayuk.
1: Yeah, and I don't think the gap is that big here, guys. Of course, we love seeing Ayuk's speed. We love seeing his routes. The ability with the ball in the hands is absolutely phenomenal compared to Nikhil Harry. But in the red zone and just physically dominating DBs, Harry was a much better player. So when you look at it, they're very different players in very different draft classes. But at the end of the day, just because he was hurt, let's not forget how good Nikhil Harry was as a prospect at one time. And I think it's easy because Ayuk can come in and play in the slot, and he's going to get those little dump-off passes,
0: and he's going to – oh, yeah, it's 800 yards. He returns, Those are rushing yards, basically. And he returns as well. So uh, I like what Melo said. Let's see what Nikhil Harry looks like with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. It might be a lot different. I can't wait. Right, right? He's a Patriots fan
2: now. Pro Bowl. Both of them. Yeah. All right. You're too Pro Bowl.
0: You you want to put some money on that? No. No, nope. well, right. I'm not betting
2: anything if right. you ever
0: again. All right. Todd Rice. Last question. He saw a rumor online, gentlemen, that the Falcons are considering trading up for a quarterback. Is this a smokescreen or could this actually happen? Todd, buddy, anything can happen, can't see it. Uh uh yeah, right? it I says I, Falcons. The uh, Atlanta ones? Yeah. Falcons, yep. No, I you don't made don't me think so. I read it wrong or said it wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, it says
2: the Falcons.
1: Yep. I can't see it. It I says think. Falcons. That's the question. I don't see it. I think to Thomas Dimitrov at this point is just seeing what he could do to stir the pot. When we got to spend time with him at the Senior Bowl, he was dying to sneak in that they're a team that could trade up or down. So I think there's all kind of smoke around Atlanta. I didn't see a Matt Ryan drop off last year that would indicate something like this. No,
0: he like got hurt for the first time in his career. He's not. Uh, he's 34 years old still relatively young will be 35 when the season starts. I do think they should draft a backup this year in the later rounds, someone they can develop, like a Cole McDonald, um, like Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Draft somebody you can develop a little bit, uh, but I cannot see them mortgaging the future. What would they trade? 16 overall, you would have to trade so many future years drafts
2: it would be the Redskins trading up for RG3 at this point yeah, to try I just, to get something like that. I though. don't see the Falcons doing it, not yet. In the next two, three years, maybe, but I still think there's a lot of good football left in Matt Ryan, at least good enough. You still have Julio Jones to throw to, and maybe we see a bounce back year from a Todd Gurley. I think this is a lot of a, a smoke screen. Maybe somebody trades in front of us, tries to get up there, and we see another guy fall. I mean, if Jordan Love gets drafted, that pushes Javon Kinlaw down, pushes maybe C.J. Henderson down, and then the Falcons get
1: the guy they want when all along, no, they didn't want a quarterback. And we're seeing this like crazy all right, right th- now here, guys. I mean, when you look at it right now, the smoke around teams to for other players to fall, it's naturally going to happen. So I think Atlanta, they understand that 16, and we talk about this with Dallas a lot at 17, it feels like the breaking point of the draft. You're hoping that Javon Kinlaw or Kalevon Chason or CJ Henderson, although it feels like those days are long gone, make it to that spot.
0: Yeah, it is. It's lying season, as we say, 10 days before the NFL draft. If you're a podcast listener, Connor has an awesome interview with Darnay
1: Holmes from UCLA that you can hear after this. All right, welcome back to Sticks of Football and another special interview as we are less than two weeks away from the NFL draft, and we got an awesome guest with us here today. Darnay Holmes, former cornerback at UCLA, former returner. The man does it all, and he is here with us today. Darnay, I got to ask you off the top, man, with the quarantine, with coronavirus going on, what have you been up to? Have you been able to train? What's it like for you right now?
3: Yeah, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. Always linking up with Beach Report. Been there since day one. You guys did my uh, my little Hollywood video. Yes. You know, so Commitment all- video. Exactly. But uh, outside of that, just with the quarantine, you know, I'm just relaxing, you know, but also making sure I'm checking off my objectives, you know, working out, getting my cardio in because, you know, a lot of people need to understand that this is just testing Your drive, you know, testing if you really made for this, you know, because at the end of the day, these things are inevitable and it came at a not the greatest time, but it came at a time where probably the world needs it. So uh, my main thing is make sure I'm staying in shape, you know, and make sure that right when I hit that field again, I'm able to contribute and uh, make a, a lasting impression.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, and I know that you're somebody that is obviously pretty driven and self-motivated because you graduated in less than three years, and because of that, as an underclassman, you know, got to go to the Senior Bowl, uh, left school ready for the NFL. How hard was that to graduate in that short amount of time?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, for me, I always came up with the phrase, if you have a strict routine, it's hard for you to be swayed away by distractions, you know, so I always had a strict routine, you know, and when the... uh the vision is vivid, you know. Your energy will align with it. So it was hard, you know. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, sugarcoat it. You know, I went through every emotion. You know, I went through times where I'm like, man, I'm not about to graduate in three years. I'm about to push back this class and you know, take a pass or no pass. You know, because there's times where I couldn't handle the material. It was times where my mind wasn't in the right place because of things I was going on outside. But I knew that pretty much things I was going through in life never match up the things I'll go through in my academic field or in my football field. So if I can endure these life lessons, then I can endure anything that comes within the realm I'll place myself into.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of hard work. And so I got to ask you, what are you doing off the field to break it up? I mean, I know I understand you're training nonstop. You've been super busy even since the season ended. It's been go, go, go for you. But is there any way, any off-the-field activities that are also, you know, freeing up your time a little bit, keeping you uh, keeping that mental state clean?
3: Yeah, so uh, before you guys got on the phone, you know, I always do a daily devotional. I read my book in the morning. You know, I always read a, a chapter from the Bible. And uh, today' verse is pretty much saying that always understand what's coming from your tongue because that's coming from your heart. You know, so, so be watchful of your thoughts, but also be watchful of what's coming from your heart because your heart desires will be, you know, amplified once I reach this realm. You know, once you get this money, you know, who you are will be shown, <laughs> you know. So, you know, so I'm making sure that, I'm sure my true colors, you know, I am express myself in the way I want to express myself and contribute to the things I want to contribute. But outside of that, you know, nighttime, me and my girl played Trouble last night. We played Connect Four. You know, we, we just create our own vibe. Uh, we, we say we at the club, so we turn some music on. You know? <laughs> so she, I love she, it. She, she has she had, uh, an online school, so uh, yesterday she was drained out. She was like, yeah, we had too much fun at the club. So it just little things like that that keep us going and keeps us in a uh, right perspective.
1: That's great. And like I said before, it's been a long process for you because after the season ended, you went into the senior bowl. Obviously you're one of the guys that actually ran at the combine. Not a lot of guys want to work out of the combine anymore. And I think that's something uh, that is a strength for you. How many teams have you been talking to, whether it's senior bowl combine or these FaceTime interviews like we're doing right now?
3: Yeah, uh, for sure. I can give a accurate amount of 75% in the league, you know, it, it's been a blessing, you know, just seeing all these organizations willing to just speak to a guy from Pasadena, California, you know, but also knew that I deserve the recognition I'm getting. You know, I never was a person who's out there just to be recognized or out there just to be felt, you know, so people could see my work ethic, people could see my drive, people could see the value I could add to them. So it's just a blessing to have these coaches call me up, you know, speaking to GMs, head coaches, Speaking to people that you never thought you'd speak to, you know, so just a blessing just to uh, be around these guys and grab insight from them and see what they want their organization to be within the next four to five years.
1: And I think the film speaks for itself, and so does the combine numbers. But how is the Senior Bowl week experience for you? Because I was down there, and I always watch the corners and receivers. I think it's the best part of Senior Bowl week. And it felt like you had a really, really strong week down there, even in one-on-ones where, let's be real, that's not a fair setup for cornerbacks in practice.
3: Yeah, Uh so it took a lot of literally film study. Like, people don't understand that. Before I went to the Senior Bowl, I hit up my – the person who's in, uh, who's in charge of the exos, And I told him I need all these receivers uh, game film, you know. So I did my homework before I got out there. So once I got out there, you know, I was at a a state of, I'm at peace because I I know what you're going to do. You know, I know what type of releases you run. You know, so I have, I wouldn't say the upper hand, but within myself, I know that I prepared myself, you know, but outside of that, it was times where we had a meeting after uh, the senior bowl and I stayed into the, I stayed in the, meter room for extra hours so I could watch one-on-ones, figure out what I did wrong. And I took notice of, I didn't have a consistent press stance. My stance was up and down. My stance was lingering. You know, I was off balance sometimes. And sometimes that receiver release, I was, you know, a microsecond late reacting to it. So right away, I took note of those things. So each day I progressed, which was a blessing.
1: And I know some people at UCLA. And one of the things they told me right away with you, ever since you stepped on campus, they were like, this guy, Darnay Holmes, he's not even draft eligible right now, but he lives in our film room. He lives to work. Is that something that you've always had in you since you were a five-star? Or is that something that you had to learn along the way to get better?
3: Man, it's crazy. So I had that since I was a young gun. You know, when I was a five-star, I was waking up at five in the morning to go train. There have been times that my dad was opening the refrigerator. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to train like, oh. Go get you, you know, yep. you know, it, it was just a proud moment for him, him waking up, getting worried and I'm leaving the leaving the house as a 16 year old, Barry's got my license and I'm driving, you know, 20 minutes to go get a workout in before school. So it's just something that was uh, instilled in me, you know, cause I know time is at the an essence and once you start getting relaxed, you know, that's when you give the man next to you or the man behind you that, that leeway to take what you want.
1: Now we hear a lot of different things, whether it's from experts, whether it's from league scouts and how to label players, and and even today in the NFL, most base defenses are nickel defenses. But do you get offended when people label you as a slot corner?
3: Uh, I want to say I get offended. You know, I respect everybody's perspective, but it's like but you played on the outside a lot. Exactly. You know, everybody has their uh, the different thoughts of me. You know, and that's a blessing just for people to uh, recognize me. But uh, definitely, once I get to web organization I get to you know, they're not going to be able to label me out as a nickel player. You know, I'm gonna be a specialist. You know, I'm gonna be a, a gunner. I'm gonna be a jammer. You know, so it's not gonna be no title or no boxing of Darnay Holmes. You know, it's gonna be like this guy Darnay Holmes. He's contributing. We gotta find a way to get him on this roster.
1: Yeah, and don't sell yourself short. I saw the 93-yard kick return as well. So we know what you could do with the ball in your hands. Is there part of you that that you you know you miss offense or or you just you love the returning aspect? Is that something? Uh, that you take pride in in your game that, you know, let's be real, when the ball is in your hands, even on the interceptions, uh, things happen?
3: Yeah, I take pride of it because, you know, I want to be a game changer. You know, I, I'm team oriented. So if I have the ball in my head, I know that I can make a, a game-changing play for us to progress to what we want to do with that game objective, you know. So if the goal is to blow them out and I got the rock in my hand, I'm going to take that to the crib, you know. But sometimes you got to be disciplined and if we're up, you know, It may be a pick six. I got to slide, and the game is over. So you know, we make sure that everything I do aligns with the team's visions.
1: We've been looking at this wide receiver class as well, just like the corner class. It's loaded with talent, and a lot of that, a lot of that talent came from the conference that you played in, in the Pac-12. And I know you played a plenty of at a conference games as well. But who's the toughest receiver that you covered during college?
3: During college, uh, I definitely say C.D. Lamb. He was my uh, one of the toughest opponents. You know he's he's smooth you know he's real smooth at the top of the route, you know he knows what he's doing before he, he has to do it you know he knows how to use blind spots you know how to attack your leverage you know he, he's a polished up route runner so you know after that game I saw polishing up that I had to do you know so I salute him for making me polish up all right was gonna polish up but he made me polish up right away you know he made me take note of the things I had to fix now, nah, I mainly got on those things.
1: Now, I believe you committed to a different staff when you were going through this process as a five-star, and, and then you go play under Chip Kelly. Is he as crazy as everyone thinks he is? Because he's got a crazy reputation from the NFL back to college. Uh, is, there's some wild stories out there.
3: Uh, no, nah, he's not a crazy guy at, at all. You know, He has different philosophies and cultures that he ingrained in people, and a lot of people are scared of letting go things that are sabotaging them for reaching their full potential. You know, once you're so comfortable with the, the skin that you're in, you're afraid of stepping out that skin for better, you know, because you already know the results that you can get with just the way you walk in, in life now. But he made us walk in a different light. You know, he made us maneuver with a different faith and belief. And I took I took note of it and I actually applied it. And I'm doing good. And I'm flourishing with it. You know, other people have problems with it because they have some other things to fix within. But uh, I knew I could place my trust in uh, Chip Kelly and this constantly just growing our relationship.
1: What's the question that you find teams are consistently asking you, whether it's something they want to see you improve on or something that they love about you? What's that one consistent thing that every time you do one of these calls or one of these in-person sit-downs, what are they saying?
3: What happened this year? <laughs> really? But you were hurt. I mean, I think that's obvious. Exactly, yeah. Uh, that's the main thing, though. They want to get the full in-depth intel. They want to know when the uh, injury happened, uh, how did the protocol goes, your injury, you know. Why did you come back in the time you came back? What was the reason behind it, you know? And my main thing for those listening, you know, is take ownership of everything, you know? Be yourself and take ownership, you know? Don't lie, you know, don't throw nobody under the bus and just report what happened. You know, that's all you can do is just report what happened. And from there, you know, the ship gonna sell how it's supposed to sell. So I have a funny
1: story for you. Uh, A couple of years ago, I was in LA and I'm a New York guy. I was in LA to help out with a Bleacher Report project for LeBron's home Lakers debut. And I cover the draft. I cover football all year round. So when we were done with that, I was like, I'm going to go up to Pasadena and catch myself a game. And I always try to catch as many games as I can in person throughout the year. And I'm watching this little Arizona running back, J.J. Taylor, break off a 60, 65-yard run. And I'm like, damn. And there is a corner that catches him at the three-yard line to punch the ball out and scoop it in the end zone. It is one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in person. Just walk me through that. And I, I'm going to put the footage over this right now so people watching are going to see it. What was that like?
3: Yeah, appreciate you. Appreciate you for uh, still recognizing that play. But the people don't understand that. The reason I did that was because I thought if he scored, it's going to be my fault. You know, because <laughs> he, hit, he hit that gap so cold. And I had, you know, you always got to be, Cup the ball, cup the ball. So I cupped the ball, but he ran right past the inside of me. I'm like, oh, no way. I'm about to let this happen. You know, I'm not about to be the one who gets critiqued on film and let him just score. So, you know, right away I'm like, all right, I'm about to chase him down. And once I got close, I'm like, I see the rock. Let me see what this is about. <laughs> and I ran out it from there, you know, when I scooped it, I was about to take off. I was about to take off. But uh, my teammate who got a pick, like, finally – uh, 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 several minutes beforehand, he had a pick in the end zone. He took it out. And he didn't get 20 plus yards. So, if you're coming out the end zone, you got to make sure that we get great field position. So, he was literally right there when I scooped the ball up and he pushed me like, get down. I'm like, "Ah." <laughs> it was
1: great because I remember you picking it up and you look up and you look left, <laughs> and you look right, and I'm like, yo, we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. He's going to go. And they're like, kill. <laughs>
3: it was so great, man.
1: But one more question before I let you go, because I know you got a crazy schedule right now. What are your draft day plans right now? Because it's a chill year.
3: Yeah, draft day plans is just, you know, get my less than 10 gathering, you know, make sure you is less than 10 gathering, uh, uh, make sure that everyone's six feet away. But, nah, outside of that, just, you know, get my uh, immediate family around me, you know, honoring my support system. I mean, you know, my girlfriend is taking care of everything that relates to draft day. I uh, want to make sure that my family, you know, gets the recognition that they, they need to get, you know. And from my side, you know, I'm just preparing myself mentally, you know. I want to be at peace when draft day comes, you know. I want to know that at the end of the day, it's a blessing to know that my name is going to be called. But I don't know when my name is going to be called. So what I'm just praying about is allowing the man above to provide me with the patience and assurance that the uh, dice going to land how they're supposed to land, you know, no matter what round, no matter what uh, organization I go to. It's just a huge opportunity. You know, my main through the whole process, like I just want to go to an organization where a coach can add tremendous value to me. An organization can add tremendous value to me. You know, they can sharpen me up as a man, sharpen me up my support as a player. So right now what I'm doing is, you know, keeping my mind clear and is being at a state of unwavering faith and belief.
1: Well, I think you're going to be very successful wherever you end up. Uh, Darnay Holmes, rooting for you, man. Can't wait to see where that is. And we're wishing you nothing but the best year from Bleacher Report going forward, man.
3: Yes, I appreciate you guys.
1: And that is our show, our first show in the Bleacher Report app. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Stick
0: to Football Live. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. And we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday afternoon right here at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, wherever you listen to shows, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it might be, follow us on Twitter at Stick to Football. And make sure you download that Bleacher Report app. From Melo and Connor, this is Matt. We'll see you all real soon.